0: Hey, how's it going, coaches? Welcome to Keep Your Pads Down, the podcast for the men in the trenches. Coming to you from beautiful Northeast Texas. This is episode number 92. So wherever you are today, thank you for checking us out. Well, we had an an unbelievable response to uh, to last week's episode with Coach Cornell Thompson, my former coach. Uh, And after just one week, it's already become our second most downloaded episode of all time, which is a testament to the impact that he's had as a as a coach and so if you haven't already checked that one out uh, be sure to go back and listen to my conversation with West Orange Star kid Football coach Cornell Thompson uh just just a lot of fun recording that episode and and again the response from that and the feedback from that has been really really good really the whole month of January was a great month for this podcast as we kicked off season 3 with four outstanding episodes I started things off with with Toledo outside linebacker's coach and co defensive coordinator Coach Craig Kuligowski. Uh, Then we had Lucas Jaden on, uh, talking about his book, "Win in the Dark. Uh, Then we had Watchtah Baptist D-line Coach Kane Bryan. And then we wrap things up with with Coach Thompson. So uh, four really strong episodes in the month of January. And we're not slowing down now that we're in February. We got some great episodes lined up for you, beginning with the one today. But before we get to today's guest, I want to tell you about a brand new sponsor of this podcast. You heard me talk about it the last couple weeks, and that is Our Coaching Network. We are excited to partner with Our Coaching Network, a new football coaching platform connecting coaches from all levels and helping them get better every week. Our Coaching Network has live clinics Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights, and we'll have 150 plus hours of high quality live coaching clinics this year, with each week's clinics added to a library that can be referred back to at any time in the future. This week on Our Coaching Network, you can learn about coaching up kickoff return with with Columbia Special Teams Coordinator and Linebacker Coach. Justin Stovall on Tuesday night, February 9th from 7.30 to 8.30 Central. Then on Thursday, you can catch a couple of great GA talks from Oregon graduate assistant Elite Terry talking Oregon O-line play, followed by coach A.J. Cooper, who will be talking about Central Washington DB play, and that will be from 7 to 8 p.m. Central. Now, here's the best part about our coaching network. You can get a free month by registering at the link in the show notes of this episode And if you're a coach looking to learn more football and network within the coaching community, you got to sign up today. Again, use the link in the show notes to get a free month of access to our coaching network and support the companies and support us. Also, I've been telling you guys about GoEdit Graphics for the last few weeks. And what GoEdit Graphics does is allow any coach to create custom graphics in minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it their own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, to name a few. The platform is easy, affordable, and no design skills are needed. I mean, no design skills. You can do it, I promise. GoEdit Graphics is a great way to showcase all of your sports, and athletes and subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Now, here's something cool that GoEdit is doing for KYPD listeners. Mention keep your pads down and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. As the recruiting coordinator for our program here at Pleasant Grove, Part of my job is to create graphics, promoting our athletes and our program, and and GoEdit allows me to do just that. You can check out our program's Twitter page, at PGHawkFootball, to see the latest graphics I created this week for our football team using GoEdit Graphics, and then go check them out on Twitter, at GoEdit Graphics or visit their website through the link in today's show notes. With all that being said, let's get to today's guest. Today, I am excited to be talking with Stephen F. Fawson, defensive tackles coach, Jamarcus McFarlane. If you watched any college football this fall, which I'm sure most of you did, and you no doubt saw SFA either on TV or in the news, which, which Coach McFarlane and I will get in today, and it was all for positive stuff. But Coach J-Mac is a, is a great dude, uh, very gracious, and a genuinely nice guy, and I'm excited for you to get to hear from him today. Coach McFarlane hails from Lufkin, Texas, where he was a high school All-American before heading to Norman to play defensive tackle for the Oklahoma Sooners. Where he was a two time Big 12 champion and an all Big 12 freshman team performer and three time academic all Big 12 first team member. After graduating from OU, Coach spent some time playing in Canada before heading back to Norman, where he served as a GA for three seasons, helping the Sooners win a Big 12 championship, a Sugar Bowl championship, and helped guide OU to two college football playoff appearances during that time. In 2019, Coach McFarland left Norman headed to Nacogdoches to serve as a defensive tackles coach for the Lumberjacks at Stephen F. Austin under head coach Colby Carthell. Today, Coach McFarland and I discussed the Jacks' unique and memorable 2020 season. It was both unique and memorable, including their recent move to the Western Athletic Conference. We then jump into SFA's four-down front and the Jacks' different alignments and techniques they employ to shut down opposing run games. We then close out the episode with our rapid-fire segment where I asked the former Sooner, among other things, who he would rather lose to, Oklahoma State or Texas? All of that and a whole lot more, so let's get to it. Here is coach Jamarcus McFarlane on episode number 92 of Keep Your Pads Down.
1: Coach McFarland,
0: welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for
0: having me. Well, Coach, it's great to be talking with a, a fellow East Texas guy on the show today. You're from Lufkin. Uh, I'm from down the road in Huntsville. And, and so now, uh, not only are you from East Texas, but now you're coaching college football in East Texas right up the road there from your hometown at Stephen F. Austin in Nacogdoches. So, Let's start with you just filling in the blanks for us and tell us a little about your journey through the game of football so far.
1: Yeah, man. Well, uh, like you said, I am from East Texas, man. This is my home. This is where I love to be and this is where I'm comfortable. You know, I'm uh, just true backwoods kid uh, from Lufkin. Uh, played there at Lufkin High School. Was coached by a tremendous man, John Outlaw, a legend in a Texas coaching. Uh, amazing talent coming out of that town, starting with Des Bryan, who's had a phenomenal career. Um, Kiki Kuti, the name that's popping now at the Texans. Eric McCoy is playing center for the Saints. Reggie McNeil, George Dwayne, those cats, they all came out of Lufkin. And I was just another product that it came and followed the rules here. And it just trended me in the right direction. Get the grades, bust your tail there in this program. And, and blessings are going to rain on me. You. You know, and I followed that rubric, and it led me to go into the University of Oklahoma. I was highly recruited coming out. I thought Oklahoma was the place for me that felt like home. Tremendous uh, program with history and, and coaches that have been doing it for years. And my senior year in high school, they're number one in the country. You know, so I chose to go play for Bob Stoops in his program and had tremendous friendships I got there and guidance from position coaches and strength coaches that are Hall are of Fame in their books. But won two Big 12 championships while I was there. Went to four bowl games, won three of them: the Sun Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and the Insight Bowl. I um, just had a tremendous time there in Norman, you know, growing up and becoming a the man there and led me to be an undrafted and going to the San Diego chargers, small stint, got released from the San Diego chargers kind of went through that phase. Like everybody does of, of what I want to do now. And, um, that's where I found coaching while I was there in Norman, steady training to stay in shape. I got approached by a kid that was nine years old. His parents wanted me to train him how to tackle. And, you know, first, I was first like, ah, I always said I wouldn't coach. And, um, I decided to give it a try and, and took him out to some green grass and let him run around and wrap up a bag. and supposed to have been 45 minutes, and we ended up being out there for two hours. I didn't care what my phone was. I didn't care what time it was. I was just enjoying it. And the parents came in close and posted me, like, man, you do a great job with this. We had fun. Um, would you mind helping us coach his team, nine year old team? And I was like, well, sure. Why not? So Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, that's what I was doing. And I loved it to where. One of the kids on my team, his dad actually seen me out there with the kids and said, Hey, they need some help at the high school. Um, would you mind helping them? So I went over, um, started helping those guys there in Norman at Norman North with the ninth grade squad. And um, crazily Coach Stoops twin boys or Isaac and Drake were out there running around on the ninth grade team. And we went undefeated. And Coach Bob Stoops happened to come out there to practice one day and he said, Jay mac do you like this? Do you like coaching? Coach, man, I love this. You no, know, this is something. that's is undescribable for me. He said, "You're crazy as hell," but I remember you said that. And uh, I was the coasters running around with my cleats on, and uh, kids were joking that I should try to play again. And a friend asked me to go and and, and try out for a team in Dallas, CFL team, and split the room with him, half on the room. I did it. And happened to be the the uh, GM was there, and he was running the drills and. He comes up to me and says, "Hey, uh, I want to take your picture, and I'll be in contact." I didn't know what that meant, but a week later they called me and offered me a basically like a futures type contract. And in a couple months, I was on my way to Vancouver, you know, and went down there and made that team. And I always knew that coaching was still going to be in my pocket. What I would do when I was done playing, but played a year in Canada, came back and bumped into Bob Stoops in the Indo facility, and you know he offered me the opportunity to become a grad assistant there at Oklahoma. I was my agent, and that went my football career. And still on my contract and all of that, but I chose to coach, and that was the best decision. Gave me three years of coaching there at the University of Oklahoma as a grad assistant with the defensive line with some great football brains, some great people. Um, that's my second home. And, um, you know, after three years of stint there, it brought me to 2019 in January. And I'm back home in Nacogdoches, Steve McFauston, with Coach Colby Carson, and. It's just been a phenomenal journey that football has taken me around the world literally and back. It's
0: a blessing. Yeah, and and I want to talk about and back up a little bit, you know, being uh, from the from roughly the same area of the state and growing up uh, and, and, you know, always hearing stories about your high school coach there, John Outlaw, uh, there in, in Lufkin. And uh, so just give us a little bit of maybe some insight for those who don't know or maybe have heard about him or those who maybe have never heard of him you know, what was it about him that made him such a legendary coach and really such a beloved figure, uh, not in, just in the city of Lufkin, but really in all of the state of Texas?
1: Oh, man. man I'm literally getting chill bumps now and just thinking about that relationship with him. You know, it's sad, tragedy losing him, but man, he was just this this lively person that never seemed to be upset, never seemed to get too loud unless a referee made a bad call, but he was just genuine that you could feel how he cared about his guys, you know, and that's coaches, players, everybody he cared about them. You know, I, he showed up on my doorstep one one time and um, randomly at like 7.15 in the morning. And I remember going, what are you doing? He said, I'm showing up to take you to school. <laughs> and I, I, I couldn't wrap my mind around it in the area. I stayed and he was there because he's literally a legend from when you begin playing football you begin to play sports. I remember being in seventh grade and him walking out to the middle school field. And during our practice and everybody just acting like he was a rock star. I couldn't believe that he was down on our grass um, in in seventh grade. But the next day I was moved up to eighth grade football. (laughs) So I was like, I was lazy something and then came in high school and immediately went to junior varsity and then got moved up to varsity um, in the playoff time. So, he seen something in me that I didn't see in myself um at an early age. And he just that trickled down into his coaches that they truly care and, and they genuinely wanted you to be special. Um, you could just see it in his whole his whole staff. You know, my position coach, I remember him giving me a box of chalk and I never really didn't know what it was for um until I was doing the ladder and I realized how bad I was at it. And then I figured out what the chalk was for. But I went out and drew me a ladder in the street and I got to work then once I finally got out there and showed him what I could do, on that ladder, he looked over and my position coach goes, post Stafford goes, I see you figured out what that chalk was for. <laughs> you know, so it's just things like that that trickled down from him and his style of coaching. Just phenomenal smile. He gave everybody a nickname. Mine was Jay bone And he just would come up to you, this finished guy with the little short and high socks, and and you could feel the love through his hands when he grabbed your shoulder and just looking at and talked to you. And it made you want to go to war for him. You know, it's it's grown men and Luskin to this day um, that still talk about those times of, of playing for him, you know, and that starts at a young age. as your uncle or your dad or whoever older in your family. They're all priming you at an early age to become a Panther, you know, so uh, you can see that from as soon as you put the pads on. You want to be on the Little Panthers as a little league team. You want to grow into middle school and be on the Panthers. And it's just a tradition that's grown over time that, you got pride when
0: you put that jersey on. Yeah, and and I think what you're describing about the city of Lufkin and how they felt about Coach Outlaw, uh, when he was coaching, you know, I think that's a real life example of what they tried to capture in that TV show Friday Night Lights. You know, like that's that really is how it is in a lot of a lot of towns across the state where you know kids grow grow up and that's all they know. That's all they want to be is a you know Lufkin Panther or a you know fill in the blank whatever the mascot is. And I think it's even, you know, even even better that you guys had such a legendary coach that that was there for so long and had so many people, you know, rallying around him and and you know parents wanting their kids to play for him is really a special thing. Now I want to ask you about this. You know, obviously you were uh, on a lot of schools' radar as you were, as you were coming up through high school, and, and you know, recruiting has changed so much nowadays as it was even when you were coming through. So talk about what your recruitment was like and 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 just some. Maybe some things that you had to work through as as a as a young kid getting recruited.
1: Man, my recruitment was a was a headache at times. It was a blessing at most, but it it started early. You know, it started. I can remember my sophomore year, we played Longview on ESPN, and I recovered a fumble. And during that ESPN uh, uh, talk, they presented me as the next thing out of Lufkin, six three, two hundred and eighty pounds. You know, Coach Outlaw says this kid is uh, bench pressing 315 when he walked into high school and he has a 3.0 and he's the next guy up. And after that moment, the mailbox just started flooding, you know. And my mom, she didn't really care for sports and she didn't know what all of it meant. I didn't know exactly what it meant. I was just a kid that was making good grades and was naturally strong and playing hard as I could. Um, but it presented with mail at school and the guy bringing me mail. To my classroom on Friday to my last class, and um, it was my sisters came a thing where they would run out to the mailbox every day and bring mail in. It wasn't a lot of social media action and all that. It was either emails or or handwritten letters. And, I mean, it was uncounted four letters a day, where she just began to buy tubs, plastic tubs to put them in, and I still own a couple of those. But it was from all the major coaches. Now, you know, Alabama was just beginning to get rolling, and it looking at where Alabama is now, you know, we didn't even realize it was that at the time. Uh, but it's just, it's amazing to go back and look at some of the mail and the letters that I did receive from some special coaches. Uh, but it was, it was eventful. You know, it was eventful to got to get in your car and make some of those community day trips, you know, bump into some of the top talent that's still playing today, you know, and still doing some special things out there on the field. Um, but it was, it was fun of times, you know, I don't want to wash it down and it was a blessing and, Mom always preached humbleness to me. Don't get the big head. You know, I always know that you can be better. I always know that the academics is the most important. That's going to be your ticket um, in life. And that's the way I use it. You know, I want to visualize it as preschool first and then the opportunity to play the game that I love. You know, and I built relationships with all those guys that were suiting me. Um, and Oklahoma just came out, emerged at the end with genuinely in my heart, where I felt was best for me for the next four years to train me for the next 40.
0: I, I want to ask you about a guy that has been on this podcast before as a guest and, and in a previous conversation leading up to this one, you and I talked about him, and I think you said that he's like a a grandfather figure to you, and that's coach Ruffin mcneil and and w- when we had him on last spring, it was one of the his his episodes is one of our, one of the top episodes we have uh and the response from that was really overwhelming so I uh, just want to give you a chance to talk about Coach McNeil and the impact
1: he's had on you. Oh, she do She's <laughs> all gonna take care of his flock. Now he's gonna take care of his flock. Um, he's an amazing soul, um, just genuine person that's real. Don't meet any strangers that loves hard. he's um, gonna shoot it to you straight, and that's the kind of people that I was brought up by. My grandmother's the same kind of uh, personality. that is no sugarcoating. Um, it's just rawness and realness, and that's what he's gonna present. But once he loves you, it ain't no getting away from that. And we talk, and at least. Once every ten days, and it's, that's why that relationship is built like that. And amazingly, I had a friend that I played with in an All-Star game after after college. Played a couple All-Star games in in one Alabama. I played in. I, I met a guy and, and, and was in the game with me. He played there at East Carolina, and then we ended up being on the same team in Canada named Mikael Brooks. And when I was there at Oklahoma, um, you know, Coach Lincoln. Raleigh sends me to go pick up Coach Ruffin from the airport once he had hired him. He's like, I want you to go pick him up. And immediately I knew where he looked up everything about him. I remember that he was trying to recruit me when I came out. And I reached out to my buddy, Brooks. I go, man, tell me about this guy. He was your coach. And he said it. And he, he's like your grandfather. He's going to love you. He's going to be real with you. You're going to enjoy every second with him. So I was already excited to meet him. And, you know, go to the airport to pick him up and, kind of nervous, honestly, like, man, this guy's a legend, you know, he sent me to pick him up, and I pick him up, he comes out, takes a deep breath, he goes, man, you must be a bad man if he sent you to come pick me up, because I'm the stuff, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say stuff, but uh, but I, from that moment, I knew it was real, I knew it was raw, you know, he got in my car, and he's like, I know this is your car, but you mind if I take a dip? <laughs> 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 I did not mind if you take a dip, you take it, act like they don't want me to dip on the plane, you know, so we rolled back, and, you know, and from that first energy, I knew that I could be myself, and I knew I could lean on him to learn the ropes of this business. And every day, you know, I picked his brain every day. I picked his, his heart every day, and, and he wears it on his sleeve for everybody to see. Um, and I rolled with him to practice every day on purpose. Some days he even let me drive. But every day to practice, I rolled with him, and we were hand-to-hand, belt loop-to-belt loop throughout the whole way. Uh, we still got traditions that we know our spots we eat at. You catch us in the Dallas airport. We'll meet you at Papa You know, that's why, that's I <laughs> spot. You know, but it's just a genuine relationship that has been helpful in my career. Wife has, Ms. Earlene has actually leaned on my wife and kind of showed her the ropes. She's new to this coaching business. You know, so a couple of old trips and stuff, she's taken on the wing and, and gave her some 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 words of wisdom as we embark on this lifestyle. But he's just, he's real. He loves all these people that he touched, man. You know, so dog, um, shout out to him. When he
0: says he's the sheep dog, and he protects his flock. He means it. Yeah, and and just in, in the guys you've talked about, you know, with with Coach Outlaw, Coach Stoops, and Coach McNeil, just those three guys alone, uh, you know, what unbelievable examples to have in your life, you know, not only as you know to mold yourself as a coach after, but also just as a as a man. And so that kind of leads me into now where you are now at, at, at Stephen F. Austin, there with Coach Carthel, and, and you guys have uh, it's really uh, coming off a has to be the most unique football season ever. Uh, for it was for everyone, but really especially for you guys. You know, kind of going against, you know, not playing along with, with, with some of your conference, but getting a season in. Uh, talk about what this past season was like for you guys there at SFA. Breathtaking.
1: first thing is shout out our president, Scott Gordon, shout out our athletic director, Ryan Ivey, head coach, Coach Barthel, and of course our trainers. You know they've done a phenomenal job and doing everything possible to allow us to play. The kids really, really wanted to play. They wanted to put all this thing behind us or to the side because in between the white lines you don't think about it. And they made sure we had all the testing in place and spent the, the amount of funds that they did with for the testing and to protect the kids. You know, and then shout out the players for being disciplined and not biting the bait. We had some positives throughout the season, but not biting the college bait and not having any games postponed, um, that was phenomenal to play 10 games in that, in that pandemic, and um, they did it you from know, what we went through in 2020, but it was it was a breath of fresh air for 2020. Um, we knew that this 2020 season would make a champion out of some and to make some excuse makers out of others, and we wanted to make sure that we were included in the champion side. You know, the bad guys getting to play out there together in unity and uh, get better and grow. Win some games, go through some losses, some struggles, and adapt. You know, it's gonna be guys that that get COVID and some next man up. You know, that's reality, that's life. And, and they they bent, but they didn't break. You know, and we came out on top of it. Um, went through some other things in 2020 with uh, the BLM and, and some great things that we learned as a, as a unit, as a group, in that as well. But um, 2020 in the bottle was explosive, and we survived it. I think it's for the greater good of Stephen Foster.
0: I agree with you 100. percent I don't know who I was telling, maybe this fall, but you know, I watched more SFA football than I ever have in my life because it seemed like, especially early on, before the other big conferences started playing, you guys were on every weekend, and mm-hmm. and and I thought it was a great move by 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 your university by doing that because you got a lot of exposure, and then you have you know Coach Carthel taking his shirt off when it's cold <laughs> outside, and he gets COVID and his dad steps in to coach, and so you guys were just ma- managed to be in the spotlight for, a, for all the right reasons this fall. And I thought it was great exposure for your program. And, and, and again, it's, it had to be a great experience for you guys to be able to weather that storm and make it through a whole season. Like you did considering all the, all of the adversity you faced.
1: Mm-hmm. And you hit it right on the head. Um, you know, it feels great to be at a program that is on TV for the right reasons. Um, and to have a staff that, that's devoted to this and that ball in, we all had to sacrifice as well, you know, with our families. And I got a one-year-old son, so he definitely was on my brain. And at times I wore two masks at one time on a couple flights. But for SFA to be those the center of attention on some games or, or taking a knee before we kick off versus UTEP, and just some positive stuff, man, that was on the SBN. And, and it's good for those kids, man, those players in our program that that – done good when they were come out of high school man. Played ball hard. They kept the grades and they were always told that they'd done that. They will be rewarded. You know, and they got a little taste of that in 2020 um, getting the recognition that they did.
0: Absolutely. And, and, and some more exciting news coming out uh, for you guys. What you, know, you just recently announced a move to the WAC, the Western athletic conference. So talk about that and what that will mean for your, for your football team and, and athletic program. And, and, you know, what most excites you about that move?
1: Man, it's an exciting time to be a Lumberjack. Um, we're we're bought in and on progressing and moving forward and growing this program. Uh, we're in a phenomenal location. We believe that with our whole heart that in East Texas, this is gold. And now you're going to be able to see this program transcend in the direction that it, that it deserves. Uh, but as well, our university is devoted to making sure these athletes experience the most exciting time as possible uh, while they're here, you know, and just the actions that they, they took to to uproot some some history and that was a phenomenal time there in the South and but to and to take this step just shows that. It shows that they're bought in on on making change and moving in a direction and and um like I said just doing everything possible to to allow these kids and these players in all sports to to have a great experience. And I'm just again most ecstatic about being a part of a program that's that you constantly see popping up in, in World news, you know, and national news of doing the right things, of doing helpful things for our culture, for the younger generation. I um, mean, this is one of those things, you know, that pops up and they go, "Man, there goes Stephen and again." Like, uh, yes, they're they're making moves, and it's it's clear in your eyes that this thing is growing in the right direction.
0: I, I think, uh, I, I you know, growing up in Huntsville. I know that's 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 a you know I'm talking about a big robbery there between Sam Houston State Stephen F. Austin Battle of the Piney Woods and 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 Sam Houston's moving with you into the wax does that mean that is, is the Battle of the Piney Woods is that is that continuing to for, for the into the future
1: oh yeah oh yeah those roots those uh roots are very deep and uh you know we love playing those guys it's a phenomenal experience we hated when we get to get it going this year but um my understanding that thing is still going. They're not going to pull away from that one. So that thing's still alive. And we, you know, that's Coach Farker in his place is buried on tradition itself. And, and and we want to keep as many as we can. And that's one of
0: them. Well, let's let's talk about uh your defensive front now and really get into some, some D line play now. So um but kind of set the table for us here. Walk us through your base front uh that that you guys play and how you're playing that. You know, maybe talk about specific techniques for each
1: position real quick. Yeah, well, uh when I special I think about the defensive line, but defense overall, I firmly believe in making your defense offensive. Like making them react to you. You know, you hear the terms attack, react, react, attack, but I really do believe in attack, you know, being that forcer and making them react to you. You know, so uh we play a true four down front, a true shaded four down front, but we call our guys gappers. You know, we use that term gappers and allowing those guys to get shaded on on shoulder pads and play vertical and explosive and violent. And that's being offensive. You know, playing on their side line of scrimmage, making them react and block you, not blocking yourself, getting hands-on, stuck on guys, um, being shaded, being in different alignments, making them find where you are, you know, and making them have to adjust their footwork and adjust their alignments and their their gaps um to block you. But we play true five techniques and A three and a one, sometimes we bump out to a two-eye, but just treat the ball and get vertical, man, playing square on it, getting your feet across the line of scrimmage. I tell my guys all the time, um, your feet don't cross the line of scrimmage. We got a problem, you know, we got a problem. We allow you to line up in these shaded alignments for a reason, to be physical. Um, It's like a train on the track. If they decide to cross your track, it should should wreak havoc. You know, they should have to pay for it, Um, and that's why alignments is so important to me to where these kids can trust it, to where they can just get vertical. They can be vertical, um, keep their nose and belly button aligned, and and, and be physical. You know, i paint the picture to them that I want you in a position as if you're going to push a vehicle, that's out of gas. You know, so play in that and attack in that position. And that's what we allow all our guys to do, and allow them to play fast. Let dogs be dogs.
0: So talk about, you said that that you'll play your interior guys, you'll play a one or a two-eye. uh what what dictates that whether you're gonna play a shade or a two eye and and is that a week to week thing is that a you know in in game adjustment we'll talk about that a little. Bit. Um,
1: that's it's, it. The origination starts with, with teaching these guys what they're gonna get. You know what kind of blocking scheme they're gonna get, and the one and the two eye for me, I played it. Um, I was trained and taught on that. It depends on where the back is. A lot of it, you know, backs to you. Of course, he's telling you if, if you get a side core, we call it a side car, you get offset back. You know, if the back's two, you want to be a one. The back's away, you're two-eye. It kind of just helps you not get reached. It keeps you in your gap, allows you to play vertical. So where the blocks that you do get out of those alignments uh, won't get you reached. um, but allow you to play vertical, as I told you, about being a gapper. So um, if you got the back offset away from you and you're a two-eye, I mean, you got a high percentage of the center working towards you. So you being vertical won't threaten the defense overall if you getting reached by the center. Um, if the back is to you, playing a one will protect you from the guard's cuts or him reaching you. That's the ultimate no-no of you getting out of your gap. And our kids understand that. So your alignment can help you with that. The same with the three technique. If the back's to you, you can be tighter, more hand down the crotch, the back's away. You're going to have the hand, well, pinky finger. I like to say pinky finger on his pinky toe. That actually widens you to you can play vertical now without the threat and panic of you getting reached because that's a big thing with defense alignment they can see when that window closes. You know, you can see vertical in your alignment. You see space and you see gaps. But then when they begin to work lateral and that window closes, now you see jersey and shoulder pads, they begin to panic and cross their feet over and work lateral. And that's why you do have the outside zone piece um, on offenses nowadays. You know, they love to widen their split. and right. run right outside zone. But if you, if you pause the tape, the offensive lineman's feet are crossed. You know, they cross over, then they square up. If you can catch them with that crossed over, you're gonna get some knockback. So I just trust them getting their line and crowding the ball and then jumping it jumping that rock, man. You'll allow them to protect you on a lot of that stuff.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I, I think we we've we've run in before where uh stretch or outside zone really hurts us. Not so much of them, you know, the running back hitting it off tackle, but uh cutting it back when our when our when our nose gets gets uh reached and, and our defense is cut in half, right? And they, they the the running back's able to mm-hmm. stick his foot in the ground and get vertical now. So how are you repping that with your guys specifically those interior guys on working on uh, playing those reach blocks and not getting reached?
1: Yeah, well, with the nose, the uh, you know, there's a term that I was taught that I use of in-flight adjust. Um, so mid-air, like you, you're seeing that tip of that shoulder pad, and when you do see that down block, if you're one, uh, one technique, you you will naturally in-flight and adjust that foot that's nearest to him. So it's it's going to naturally go to 45 degree to pull you away from that guard and that reach block, but I I believe the defensive tackle is tied together as a string. Um, And we allow the three technique to be vertical and violent. So if you're getting that hard outside zone stretch team, we allow him to get knocked back and fall inside. And, hey, I've done it um, at Oklahoma and now here at Stephen Fawcett. And they got different terms for it. But that's the most threatening thing on outside zone is that vertical charge. Uh, Making that back make a cut now and not creating extra space in there. So, they're tied together with a string. If you got the one with the back to his side, he's inflating, and you got the three technique that's being vertical, knocked back, and falling inside. Um, they're going to collapse both of those a gaps. And if you want to attack the B, now you got a, a knockback on the guard, so the running back has to bubble. But just training them first and forego for and understanding alignments, but also understanding back depths. You know, if that running back, a lot of times, if his toes are on the quarterback's heels, now you get an inside run inside the tackles. But when he starts to get up there more even or closer, now you're going to get some form of outside run. So we started that on tape and uh, they know what to look for and they know how to align, but also to see those specific keys to help them understand, okay, I might be in inflighting right here, you know, or it's more downhill type of run, more aggressive blocks just vertical charge at me. Hunk it down here, let's vertical, you know. So, um, so just little tips like that can help them, but we train it like heck on uh, in-flight adjusts that just protect these guys from naturally stepping underneath themselves and then turn their hips. You know, that's what you don't want to do. Um, a great defense, they all you can see all their numbers from that back angle of the camera. You can see all the football players on defensive numbers. Nine times out of ten, you're going to have a successful defensive play, especially up front. But when you start turning and opening up your hips, you're going to create seams. You know, and that's what that outside zone is meant to do anyway.
0: Yeah, and, and I love uh, what you talked about allowing your three tech to fall behind in that you know in that a gap because you know that's that's something we've done and and, and have had a lot of success with. And, and what I've found is that it really takes a lot of pressure off that D lineman to play the reach block because a lot of times they're they're so worried and keyed up about stretch that they maybe run up field or uh, maybe they're out of position on a down block away from them you know because they they are worried about getting reach. But now when they know that they can. They can fall behind uh, in that a gap, then they're they're able to play a little thicker on that lineman and get more on him and not whiff on him is what kind of what I've found uh, as a benefit from it.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, man. That's, you want to play fast, you know. That's you know, up front, everything happens so fast, um, and I've I've learned playing and coaching. The less they can think about, the more aggressive, and the better you're going to be. Um, and that is one of those things of me as a player. I've been in that position of of being fearful of being reached. Y'all know what that means. You get reached, you gonna get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So <laughs> yeah. at a three technique, we back away, allowing you to do that. It's Just teaching it properly on you know, how to do it, on not just going in the a gap right now. And That's more hurtful than you actually being flattened the beat. You know. So you have to teach their violence and, and teach it to them by showing them. You know, look at this offensive lineman's feet. He's crossed over right here when you make contact. So when you actually panic and go lateral, now he squares his feet back up and he's in a strong position and you're crossed over. So when they see those images, they realize, oh, man, well, he's crossed over and I'm up This is this is easy. And it don't take the strongest guy to be able to get knocked back and fall back on the knees. And you you create some, some dominant negative plays for the offense doing that.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the, the the issues that that when you're running a four down front, you always have to be aware of is you know where your B gap bubble is, and 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 knowing that offenses are going to want to know where that is and attack it and and uh, run at it. So, um, you know, what are some things that you guys do as a defense to disguise where your bubble is and and dictate to the offense where you want them to run the ball?
1: I feel like there's a few ways that you can um, protect that bubble because offenses do attack that. Um, previously in Oklahoma, we we done a lot of stemming. We added that addition to stemming and, and moving around before they actually snap the ball because those guys take a, a visual image, not just the lineman. The running back, he knows where the open gaps are before they take cut, you know, so he's more enticing to those gaps naturally um, because he feels like he can get through there. So when you move and stem and move around, you create confusion, you know. You make them kind of figure out where you are. They begin to hesitate. Office linemen begin to jump offside sometimes. You see some of those... Um, offensive linemen jump, it's the defense alignment saying move or moving their alignments and, and they're they're ready to go just like we are. Uh, so stemming is definitely helpful um of, of disguising where that gap is just right before they say, hunt. you know, exchange your defensive tackles and put the bubble on the opposite side. A lot of times the quarterbacks will walk up and try to check it. So now you exactly you know what's going on if they're looking for it as a coach. You know that you need to disguise it. Um I also believe in linebacker punctures. Um so just speeding up the run fit, knowing that it's a, if it's a run type of down, you create that attack again and you make them be, you turn them into the fence. You make them have to find where you are and you speed up and blow a linebacker through that bubble. Um if you know that, that that's the run fit for him. Um but you can actually control that, you know, and be more aggressive. Um and then of course the movements, you know, movements are 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 very helpful. If you got the guys, for one if you got the guys that can do it. You know, you got more Guys that can get lateral, then vertical, and they don't hurt you. But sticking a defensive end into the b gap or um, stunning both defensive linemen and exchanging the, the bubble to the opposite side after the snap, but movements create a lot of, of, of negative plays. You know, create tackle for losses. You create holding penalties for offensive linemen because you just cross his face. And it makes your defensive linemen play faster because a lot of times they're keying the tip of that shoulder pad and seeing the ball up there peripheral, but now it's. True movements. I teach my guys all the time. Your visual targets change. Um, now your eyes go directly to the ball. Um, that's what you're keyed in on 100%. When it moves, you know exactly where you're going, and you're taking a flat lead step to get vertical with your eyes. going to the adjacent lineman, tip of his shoulder pad, and that'll tell you what to do. Tip of shoulder pad work away. You work at a 45 degree with it. Tip of shoulder pad work too. You got to redirect and get vertical. You know, so um, just teaching them how to do the movements is a big part of it. Um and then teaching them why they're doing the movement is another piece of it. But um all those different kind of line stunts that you want to play with, it help it helps. You know, it helps create the confusion. Cause you know, a lot of offensive linemen have seen defenses four down, three down fronts in high school. But it's when you start strategically moving that line um creates the confusion that you want, as long as you got some backers that understand where their new gaps are gonna be, where those new run fits are um you can you you can exploit some some weaknesses. A lot of times um the offenses will back off of that. Once they realize you got a plan for protecting your bubble, they'll back off of that. Whether they're trying to run power and pull the guard into that bubble. You know, now you're sticking somebody in there and you got a tackle for law, their power goes away. You know, so um just just tinkering with it and you don't have to have a whole lot of it if you have some aggressive dogs that are playing on their sideline scrimmage vertically out of your base tough. But just having a way to show, hey, you can't do that versus us. Um, it's very productive.
0: You talked about stimming, uh, pre snap with, with your guys. Um, you guys ever do anything like, you know, get in twos with those interior guys and then play to their, you know, play to a one or to a two eye and play to a three or anything like that, uh, to mm-hmm. kind of switch it mm-hmm. up and keep them keep them off off uh, off beat a little bit?
1: Yep, yep. I've I've actually done that. I- I've seen two head-up twos and just playing what you call lag, playing that back shoulder, just whichever the way line, you naturally play the backside shoulder. That I actually done it as a player during um, my senior year in Oklahoma. But it's helpful as well, and it allows your guys to play vertical inside. Um, it's not natural, and then play backside. They have to be violent with their hands so they don't get their shoulders turned. Um, but that's a big piece. I think you can exploit some um, – I mean, include some some standing in three-down and four-down. We started doing that, um, just especially on some pass rush downs. We – Nashville would like to bring our Jack, what you call it, at the boundary overhang. We'd like to bring him into the four, into the pass rush. We knew a pass rush down just to create a four-man rush, but you can stem from three down to a four-down front and still rush four. You know, you can stem from a three down to a four down and run your ET game or TE game. So um, you can still get the same stuff done, but it could just be a package that you do it in. Right? You always start off with a small bite just as if you're a baby and work your way up with the more teeth you get. You know, so... Uh, it's 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 all about what your guys can handle, you know. And I, I'm I'm believing not overloading the kids with with too much, because it looks good on paper. But if you can get it stemming piece at it's phenomenal. You know, if you got two two hogs in the middle, that if you got that body that may not be as fluent to work lateral for your movement, two head up twos is what you want to do. You want to put those big natural nose guard bodies. And two head up twos and let them lag fit on the backside of the
0: guards. Talk about how you know you, you mentioned some movements and different things that you guys will do. Talk about how you coach those up. You know what kind of cues are you using? You know, I, we had Coach Foskey on, uh, your, your your guys' D uh, coach there, uh, who works with mm-hmm. you, and, and we talked with you know when uh, a, a lot uh, about movements and some things that you guys do there. So talk about just how you're coaching those up and and some coaching cues that you're using uh, with those.
1: Uh, I think first thing, like I said, is making sure they're understanding how to do it, but then why? You know, why are we doing this? Um, So once they understand what the bubble is, or once they understand, hey, you know, in this this formation, the the nickel is outside the box, and we want to push the run out to him, so we're going to stick the end in the B-gap and force the the nickel to not have the C instead of trying to fall in here in the B-gap. You know, so once they see the full picture and they can actually understand why they're doing it, they'll even start to do it better. You know, understand how important it is that they do that. Um, a lot of times you are um, trying to close that B off with the, with the end, and then you just got to also train your, your defensive tackles that, hey, he, he sticked into this B gap. The nickel has the C gap. So now, hey, they passed the ball. The nickel now has a pass responsibility who do you think has to make the defensive end right? Oh me, yeah, you know, now you understand the full picture that as a defensive tackle, I'm gonna naturally wrap the end now and, and it turns into an E. T. game. Like, oh yeah, there it is, you know, for the kids. So I think I do think it's important to teach and not just draw lines on the boards so where they can see football as well. And they understand that this is why we're doing this stunt. Um, and this is why I have to do this. So some of those plays actually are if it's run, I stay here. If it's pass, I gotta wrap it down and make the contain piece. Um, I think it's important to put your kids in these situations in individual. That's what individual is for. So I do. I try my best to do uh, tempo periods where I just put some cones down as if they're linemen and we go through rapidly. You know, I call it out, call out calls, and and put them in live action as if they're out there doing it versus offense, and, and they can feel it. You know, how fast they gotta do it, how flat they gotta be. And and getting vertical, so they get that movement down body. Most of the memory is everything in this game. Um, that You know, same thing off the side of the ball. That's why they um, they, they go out there and run routes on there and getting the timing down. It's the same thing up front of the defensive alignment of understanding how big of a step I need to take, making sure I actually gain ground with this first step, um, what type of runs we have to stop this week. So it does have to do with the opponent um, and them expecting, knowing what to expect when they do this, uh, doing this movement. You know sometimes if we're working movements and it's more than two people involved, offensive linemen to talk with somebody across their face to you know in passions and things of that nature to work back that somebody's tied behind him, you know, so um training them that that somebody else could be waiting on you, you know. So it's a it's, it's it's all tied hand in hand, but I think the most important piece is, is not take for granted teaching these kids of why they're doing it. You know, then once you teach them why and not just what it is. Um, they'll they'll naturally grasp it and start asking you questions well coach what if i do this you know what if i do that so um just teach them what it is how to do it and then put them in live situations um in your ended period before they actually take the grass and do it for your defense
0: yeah I, I really like what you had to say there about you know your movements they're different versus run versus pass and it's and it's uh you know it's predicated upon what the offense does so you know if it's a run I'm I'm hitting this gap but if it's pass I got to know that now I got to know I'm popping out as a as an interior defensive lineman and wrapping and getting C gap and I, and I, I I like that because you know a lot of times when you just call a, a tech stunt an eat stunt whatever it is and you know you call it and maybe it is a run or maybe it is a pass you're a little worried because it may not be suitable for yeah. the situation but with that, you can you can you have your cake and eat it too. That way, if it is a run, we're fitted up, and if it's a pass, we have an option for that too. And what I like about it as well is that if it is a pass, that looper by that defensive tackle, it's delayed a little bit, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe that often, that that tackle doesn't see him coming around. Uh, you know, you get interior pressure, and the quarterback flushes to that to that defensive tackle late. So, I, I think that's a really cool part of that. That as well. That that uh, that uh, strategy is that you know it, 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 when you delay things, especially versus the pass, they tend to open up better. Yeah, it
1: is. You know, it's just so much you can do with those guys, man. And um, one thing about playing D line is it happens so fast. It's on you fast when it's a run. They're coming at you. you going at them. If you fire your hands and you don't hit nothing, yeah, it's a pass. You know, if you come out your stance explosive like you're supposed to and you fire your hands from ground to man like you're trying to, not not bending elbows and cocking your arms, you're going from ground to man as if you're diving in the pool, you should hit something. But if it's a pass, alert goes off in your mind. I had, I didn't hit anything. If I got a in responsibility on pass, I know I got to go to get that done. And it's no different when you're stunting both defensive tackles. the three is stunned to a, uh, the three technique is done to a one and the one is or two eyes stunned to a three, like teaching those kids their new responsibilities when they get there, if it's past, Yes, we stun it to hide the bubble, but now it's a pass. Naturally, the three technique naturally has a two-way go. You know, so I just became the three technique. So yes, I stunned to the B gap from a two i and I recognize past Now I turn to pastress mode. I got a two-way go in the guard. Now I can actually work back into the A gap. You know, so the more they know about what about their job and who's next to them and what they're supposed to do, um, the better they'll be. Instead of just following those arrows on the board, you start getting some action out of stuff. And, um, you know, I, I I'm blessed to have some older guys in my room that I can teach that to, because that's next phase ball. And a Excellent. lot of kids try to go and crush the work, the waiting room and, and do a whole lot of extra running they're between their junior and senior year. And, Everybody says, "Oh, if you come back for your senior year, you'll get drafted higher." And it, you don't get faster and stronger. You know, it's the game slows down because you start understanding what's about to happen to you and what to do when it happens. And you know, so trying to get that knowledge on them earlier in their careers will benefit your team in your front.
0: You, you talked about working those working those movements in practice in your individual period. What's the what have you found is the best way to do that? Is it on barrels? Is it against your you know in, against Against your, your scout guys? Is it going against your own offensive line? How are you repping those?
1: With movements, um, basically, I think the hardest thing, man, is it just teaching them that lead step piece of it, of, of them gaining ground with that step. Some guys would just naturally want to work at 45 degrees or step underneath themselves. So I always make sure I put a bag down, I put an agile bag down, um, and make them step over that bag. So once they create that muscle memory of actually gaining ground in that direction, um, it's helpful. I think the next piece of it is them reacting. That's the progression of it. Them they're reacting to once they take that step. So I'll actually present as an offensive lineman, let them read my tip of my shoulders if I'm the adjacent lineman that's next to the line they're lined on and them reacting to what to do, keeping their pass down, keeping their body square on movements, whether they're redirecting back into the run flow or they're going forty five degree down the line, cutting the runoff. Um so them understanding that step, then what to where do my eyes go? If you can teach you if you can teach someone what to do with their feet, what to do with their eyes and what to do with their hands on every play as a defensive lineman, you got the thing taught. So them understanding what to do with their step, what to do with their where their eyes go is then if I'm if he's working away and I'm going to forty five degree, I grip with my back arm on either one of those. I'm ripping clean myself myself up. Um that's just me presenting that muscle memory piece for them um in the actual movement piece. Then the stunts, I think is timing, you know, more so when you're involving um other other positions with them. So uh, you can do that on moving targets. You can do that on pop-ups. You can do it on, um, you can do it with cones, you know, just that space, and um, especially if you have some ends and some wrapping going on. So you grab your scout guys and um, bring them over there, but you can also just do it with your defense alignment. You know, I'll stand behind the defensive alignment um, and make the guys that's not going present as offensive linemen and give them guys a great look. That's an important piece. I learned that when I was there at the San Diego Chargers, how to practice. Not just stand up and stand healthy. Is those guys that's giving people look? Maybe it's tackle tackle, giving these guys a realistic look of of what they're going to get. So um, again, putting them in live situations in your indie before they actually go out to the practice field.
0: Talk about you know. Well, let, let's talk about attacking uh, protections, offensive line protections. You know, when when you're talking mm-hmm. about doing some of these movements, what are some of your favorite ones to 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 use against? Slide protection and then maybe against big on big block.
1: Some of my fav- favorite twist games or favorite pass rush games is your is of course your 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 basic TEs and E T games, your takes and your exits. Um but I feel like you can you can dive into that more. Um you can you can run a whole game of, of T E games if you because like, there's multiple ways to do that. Um depending on what that offensive tackle is giving you. You know, you can get as a loop three, and just work vertical, trying to make the guard work to you and create space in the a gap for the wrapping in. Um you can also, if that guard stingy, you can actually teach that three technique to grab, Slight grab, long as the referee don't see it, make him turn his shoulders. Then you work out a board. So now you're creating space for that. Not you're manually creating space for that end to wrap into that that a gap. Or if you got a tackle that's that's a horizontal, uh, a horizontal setter. You know, that's getting out of there you can go picking you know you can go pick him and now you're freeing up the three techniques he's going to pick and get vertical and a lot of times the picker gets the prize you know so that's it's all te games but it's different ways to do it you, know, you can run ET games you can run it with your your basic nose alignment in the a gap with a one or two i and um you know running how a lot of people do it Or oh, you i love to run my favorite way to run it is out of a three technique if it's third down like to say get get active get active and Get in, some, get in some three techniques because a guard, a tackle does not expect an ET game with a three technique. You know? So he doesn't expect the threat of the end crossing to the B gap when He got a three aligned there. Right. So now you teach that three to tease the A. It's all about timing. Insert the, the defensive end and then wrap. A lot of times those tackles will, will give that hard horizontal kick jumping out there thinking that they just have a head rusher and that B gap is just wide, it's wide open, man. So just running those basic games in different ways, um, I think versus slide protection, it just depends. If we're saying full slide with the actual back adding off the end, or if you're saying the man zone side, you're getting um, that zone side of, of the slide protection. If it is full slide, I think you have to teach your kids how to board out of games. So if I'm a defensive end and we're running a a uh, ET game and the tackle. Slides down, I got to abort and just become an edge rusher. You know, so them identifying the protection and not going to bang their head on the wall, abort come off the edge. Um, if it's a true... Well, and also, if you do have a full slide, I think sometimes if you can break it, look for a with your link in it. And if you can cross the guy back and you can break that, um, you got gold, too, because if you can break it, then you can insert a backer. You know, if they can yeah. keep their back in, yeah. you can add a linebacker as well. You know, that's the normal history. That's normally his responsibility is to back anyway. If he's going to stand protection, uh, if you can break the link on one of those, you find a weak link in the old arm and it'll actually abort his responsibility and you can insert it back and you got gold there too. But if it's versus just a, a man zone, whether it's three by two or it's four by one, I think now you can get into your three-man games and actually wrap back toward the man side in it. So um, just identifying what it is. Um, and then running games out of exotic fronts, You know? One thing about protection is, yes, it's what they do, or whether, they're, whether they're zoning away from the back or to the back or to the field or to the boundary or strong or the formation or weak, or, um, but if you can dictate it based off them study by getting exotic fronts, whether that's your bare look or you walk down and have a six-man presentation to create, any way to create big on big, well, if you can do that, you can make it look like it's a whole lot of something, but it's a whole lot of nothing. So uh, you can look like six and bring four, you know, like we talked about running E.T. games out of three techniques. You can walk down back over the back row with a center and drop him out to his responsibility and still run your E.T. Games. Um, But you just created the man. You just created the big on big. So you can run E.T. games on both sides if you like. You know, you might just draw action, but um, you actually can dictate what they're going to do uh, based on your your pre-snap illusion of what you're giving
0: yeah, I think for us it's always about how can we create one on one matchups. You know, I think that sometimes I think it's sometimes it's it's a little bit of uh uh maybe false hope that and and I think our kids think this sometimes that hey, if you do this stunt, like you're gonna go Scott, you're gonna come through scot-free, no one's gonna touch you and you're gonna get sacked. And that rarely, rarely happens. You know, it's basically what we're trying to help you get is a one on one matchup. Then what you do with that one on one matchup is up to you. You know, I'm trying to put yeah. you one on one with the guard who may be their weakest pass protector so you're getting now then yeah, it's gonna be up think, to you to, to work a move on him
1: yeah i think it's it's been just preached too long now that the only way to be successful in the pass game is to get a sack, and that's not necessarily true there's so many ways to affect the quarterback whether that's batting balls that's collapsing that pocket uh, making him scramble anything of that nature man and uh it is effective making him create the high throw like all that stuff is effective, just as good as the fact. It don't show up on the stats, but, I mean, third down, baby, we off the field. We're drinking yeah. Gatorade. Yeah, yeah. So, um, just paint that picture to your kids as well. Like, just be disruptive, man. Affect him, batter I mean, make him. Make him nervous back there when he can't throw that perfect ball. You didn't know stringing lanes, um, close those escape lanes to where he can't get those hidden yardage, and, and you're golden.
0: Yeah, I think a, a batted pass is almost – Demoralizing to an offense and maybe to a quarterback. I don't want to say as as demoralizing or, or as as effective as a sack, but it's pretty close. When you know, because a lot of times that quarterback thinks he he sees an open receiver and he lets it loose, and then bam, uh, you know, one of those one of those D linemen gets a mid up in the air and just bats that thing down, and and I just that's got to be pretty demoralizing for those guys thinking they had somebody open, thinking they had a play, and then uh, you know you have his, one of those interior guys usually batting the ball down. Oh
1: yeah, man, gets the cameraman all the time too.
0: <laughs> that's right that's right that's right well just when, when you're looking when you're breaking down an offensive line and maybe an opponent's quarterback what are some things you're looking at as far as like here's how we're going to attack these guys here's how we're going to make these these guys or this quarterback uncomfortable
1: um i think your first step is before you even identify that uh, protection is I, mean, I like to start basic and, and get his cadence you know, if you're going to blitz, so you're going to run certain stuff at him or you're going to show that illusion of an exotic front and get out of there late. Um, just realizing whether he's on the clap, realizing he's on the leg, or or if, if he's verbal, you know, what it is, that can help you build build your um, attack on, on how you're going to do it, how you're going to time things up, um, and then breaking down that protection and identifying the man side of the protection. That's, that's always first um, where that center is working to. You know, find them those one on ones and then I mean, basic knowledge is putting your best guys on the man's side, you know especially if you got specific packages you bring in on pass past rush opportunities and put your attackers on the, on that man's side, you know however it is and and let them get it on sometimes we beat our head against the wall like he should win it's a one on one but it, it, it's Jimmys and it's Jimmys and Joe's out there sometimes you know, X is the biggest up leaving their os. Uh, so make sure that you're putting the right guys in those opportunities that you present, because it's it's hard to get to third down. It's hard to get to a true, you know it's a pass situation, and when you get there, you want to win. So um, identifying that cadence to help you with any kind of pressure that you want to bring or any kind of uh, fronts that you want to line up in and then get out of, um, but then identifying that protection is is the biggest piece. And once you identify that, you can really dive in on how you want to attack it, um, on what do those guys do well, and what do they do? Do, do bad, you know, as an offensive line on on um, on the man's side. So if they, if they don't pick games up well, then then you want to run games. <laughs> if do right. that, if, right. if, if they, uh, if you're you're nationally better than them, put your best pass rushers on them, and let them go win, and and make sure you again present to the kids how important it is that we're putting you here for a reason. You got to go win. Uh, we got to go attack them and exploit their weaknesses right here.
0: When you're playing an offense that's that's you know step and throw a lot of quick game a lot of maybe bubbles or uh, you know hitches things like that where they're where they're a three step drop or they're just catching and throwing how what's your game plan for that week for your defensive line to still be effective you know affecting the quarterback when you know there's there's not going to be many opportunities to get a sack. Um,
1: like I said, I think you still touch on your your ball piece of getting hands up and throwing windows. Um, I like to dive into the actual, like you said, the routes that they're they're doing. What what are they doing to get the ball out quick? You know, so if it is some kind of bubbles and screens, like we gotta, I gotta harp to my guys about we gotta rally. Uh, we gotta get there and go get a tackle on the receiver, man. And we love to do that, you know. So we gotta get out of that, get out of the box and go run. That's what we are this week. Um, but I, but I think the hardest thing for a DB to cover is a slant. Um, so if, if they're throwing it through the B gap window, you gotta protect the B gap window. You've gotta make sure you got a body in there where that's cloudy for a quarterback where he can't just rear up and the tackle's gonna, gonna kick and, and that space through the B is going to open up for the slant. Like you got to put a body in that window and and, and close that off. Um, but so understanding what they're doing with those quick throws is a big piece in it. And then keeping your kids encouraged it's going to present itself um the opportunity and they can't can't have their motor off. Um, I tell my guys all the time, JJ White is raved about sacks and, and Aaron Donald, but they can, can get 16 sacks and be an All-Pro, and they play 16 games. Like they got a sack a game. It's one opportunity they got that sack out of about 40 passes in that game that they played in. So their motor was revved up on that play to get there. You don't know when it's gonna present itself. So if you shut down as a D-line, and all you're trying to do is get hands on them and jump and put a hand up, their hand. Um, you're not going to be successful. You still want to have more powerful rushes and collapse the pocket. You know, transition your game into a powerful rush team and make him feel uncomfortable and close it down on them and get those one of those hands up the throwing lanes.
0: Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point that that you know of of emphasizing that that if you're going to be a successful pass rusher, you have to be relentless. Uh, I, I can't stand when guys stop. You can't stop. You can't start and stop. And and I mean, it's it's got to be you got to be going. Um, because you don't know when that opportunity is going to come, and when it does come, you got to be ready. Because yeah, maybe our maybe our, our secondary makes him you know pump fake it once, and now we got an opportunity, and 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 so we got to be ready for that when that opportunity when opportunity presents itself. Because obviously that can change the whole outlook of a game. All right, Coach McFarland, we're going to close out our conversation today, bringing back our wildly popular. Actually, I don't know if it's wildly popular or not. I'm just saying that our a segment that we have done on this podcast in the past, and that's our rapid-fire segment, where I'm going to ask you some questions, and you're going to answer them as fast as you can, and we'll uh, we'll get a chance to flesh these out and talk about it a little bit. So, Coach, what do you say? You ready to go? Yeah, I'm fired up. Let's go. All right, Coach. Let's do it. All right, Coach. First question out the gate. Head up, nose, or shade? I'm shade, baby. Okay. I, you know, I kind of figured with you know, being a four-down front, and, but, and, but, you know, sometimes guys – you know, have to play something because that's the scheme they're in, and and but all right, I kind of I kind of assumed you would you would say shade there, okay? Now this <laughs> is a, this is a tough one. I, I think this is this one uh, could be up for debate: turf or grass, Coach.
1: Ooh, I'm old school, man. i um, had to put my hand down there. I got to go with grass.
0: Now you kind of it's kind of unique. You know, you I, I believe Lufkin Stadium was it turf when you were there. Yes, sir. And then and then obviously OU is grass. So, you know, uh that's that's you know, after playing on both, and then I know the stadium there at at uh is, is Stephen F. Austin still grass or are they turf now?
1: we're, we're turf. Okay, we're you're turf. turf.
0: Okay, okay, you're turf. All right, all right, yeah. I gotta agree, you know, that a a a well manicured grass field is hard to beat. <laughs> it looks really good and, and it's just that's just that's hard to beat uh as far as as far as the playing surface goes. All right, coach, for you, which do you prefer? To be on on game day, press box or the sideline. Ooh,
1: I've been in both, but I gotta stay sideline.
0: Okay, I, gotta stay I like feeling that intensity, man. Gotta say sideline. You know, I I, it's, I had to agree, and we talk. This is a common question here, and I think overwhelmingly, most of the D line coaches like being on the sideline, and I think that's that that's just part of you know be, you know most most D line coaches are juice guys, and it's hard to it's hard to bring the juice up in the press box. So, definitely, I think the sidelines where where it, where it's at for sure. Okay. All right, coach. Now, here's a tough one that might get you in some hot water next time you go back home to Lufkin. Besides you, they were taking you out of the equation. Best athlete to come out of Lufkin. You got a lot of them. We mentioned them earlier at the top of the show. Best athlete to come out of Lufkin. What do you think?
1: Oh, we got to go. Oh, we. Got to go with Des Bryant, man. Got to respect what he's done and how long he's been doing it,
0: man. Got to say Dez Bryant. Dez Bryant is a, is a great answer, and there's a lot to choose from, like mm-hmm. we talked about: Reggie McNeil, Javorsky Lane, just to name a couple of guys. Uh, both wound yeah. up at A and M. Uh, okay, all right, Coach. For you, pregame routine. So we're talking game day. Are you listening to music or no music?
1: I'm listening to music.
0: Okay, what's on the Coach McFarlane game day playlist?
1: Um, uh, I got an even mix. Um I still kinda of listen to the same thing I listened to as a player. got a blend of Lil Boosie in there of something we started in our locker room when I was a player, so there's a uh uh superstition there with that. So I'll definitely throw a song on a little Hey,
0: you, you can't go wrong with uh with with some set it off. That's a that's a pretty good pregame song <laughs> right the there. One. That gets
1: that, the one. That's
0: that's that gets our guys going for sure. Uh uh all right. Okay. Uh so in last week's episode with Coach Thompson, we talked about, you know, his game day superstitions. He's he has, has several superstitions that he adheres to and sticks to re- religiously when it comes to game day. Uh just curious, are you superstitious when it comes to game day? Yes or no? Oh, most
1: definitely. Okay.
0: All. T- tell us tell us some some of your game day superstitions.
1: Uh for me, uh, I have to get some sort of workout in on game day. I just feel like um, it makes it it take the hypocrite out of me. I'm asking my guys to get out there and get it on. So um, I have to get some kind of workout in. Uh, I have to read over the game plan five times. It's just, I don't know why the number's five, but I got to l- read it over, just continue to touch that. But those are probably the main two for me. I'm not big on a certain kind of meal or anything, but I got to get a workout in. and I got to read over the game plan five times.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I read over the game plan five times, but I do like I do like looking over it for sure. But I'm I'm with you on the game day workout. Um, we, we started this, you know, several years ago, and 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 it seems like on Fridays on game day we'd always arrange it to where we could hit we'd we could hit arms on Fridays and get it get at least a, a arm workout a pump workout in. Uh, so so that's I, I'm with you on that. That's something we do here and, and that that I've been doing for a while. And and, and I, I just like the. You know, the endorphins it creates, and and, and that's you're right, it does kind of make you feel like you've earned the right to get on your kids and uh, if you put in a little work uh, on game day as well. Yeah. All right. Well, okay, I, I threw this question out on Twitter a few weeks ago and got some great responses, namely uh, from, from your fellow D-line coach there, at Stephen F. Austin and, and Coach Foskey. I want to know, Coach, uh, give me some underrated restaurants from your recruiting area. We've talked about this in previous episodes, how – College coaches know all the all the great spots to eat because they're on the road so much. So give us some underrated restaurants
1: from your recruiting area. Mm. Oh, wait. For me, uh, in Lufkin, I got to go to uh, La Unica. Um, they got the best tamales around. Um, so, I, you know, I got a shot there. We actually got one on campus now, but that was kind of my hidden gem from Lufkin. So that's a spot I need to go to. All right, well, there, there's also another one. Um, got to say, Stanley's Barbecue in Tyler um, is definitely a go-to when I'm in that area as well.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard to uh, to, to bet against Mexican food and, and barbecue when, anytime you're in the state of Texas. So those got to be solid choices, both of those. All right, Coach. Now here is one that's going to be really tough for you to answer, I think, as well, or maybe not. But you, you, you're you're an Oklahoma Sooner. You know, two big rivalries come to mind when you talk about the Sooners, and that is um, first and foremost with the, with the University of Texas, and then second of all, uh, we're talking Bedlam with Oklahoma State Cowboys. So I know you like thinking about this, but if you had to lose to one of those, who would you rather lose to? I mean, I know that's, that's maybe an impossible question for you, but who would you rather lose to? Who is it not as bad to lose to out of those two schools?
1: Man, there, man, that—that's a hard one for me. Um, I don't know if I can fix my tongue to um, to say, you know, or right, man, I may be it from both. Ends. Hey, I'll,
0: I'll here's, here's, let me, let me just see if I can, as an outside observer, why I can answer why that question is so tough because you know Texas obviously hated rival. You know, you go up against them head to head in recruiting battles, you know, and that game is usually yeah. for who's going to be atop top of the big 12. So that one, you don't want to lose that one. But then Oklahoma State, kind of like the little brother, right? You don't ever want to lose to your little brother. And also they're in your in-state rival. So I can just see why it would be a difficult choice for either one. So I'm going to let you hedge on that one, Coach, because I want you to be able to go back into yeah. Norman and and, and not get, uh, get some sideways looks from people. So I knew that one was going to be tough for you. And uh, so I'll let you hedge well, on
1: that one. I'll, take, I'll I'll give you this: if Texas is playing Oklahoma State head to head, I'll pull for Texas.
0: Okay. All right. Fair enough. I'm a to
1: kid at heart. I'm a, yeah.
0: All right. Fair enough.
1: Take a Texas kid at heart. put so home
0: Okay. I don't think anyone can 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 fault you for that. Well, 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 Coach. Great job today. Really appreciate you coming on and, and, and talking with us. And. uh uh just just know that I, I know that Stephen F. Fawlson, that D line is in great hands with you and Coach Fosky over there. I want to wish you guys the best of luck this spring as you get ready for a a uh what hopefully is a a a normal and and just a, an outstanding 2021 for you guys.
1: Awesome. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for doing this, man. This is wonderful. It's great
0: teacher. Big shout out to Coach McFarland once again for joining us today. Be sure to go and follow him on Twitter at underscore Coach j Let him know you heard him here on KYPD. Also, if you're not following us on Twitter, are you even a real D-line coach? I mean, come on. Give us a follow. We will follow back at KYPD Podcast. And if you're looking for more outstanding content geared towards coaches, then be sure to check out the new Our Coaching Network, an outstanding resource available to coaches from all levels. We mentioned them at the top of the show. You can access your free month with them by visiting the link in today's show notes, or you can find it on our Twitter feed this week as well. So anyway, a lot of available resources for you out there to check out, and we are honored that you chose to spend some of your valuable time listening to us today. Our quote of the day provided to us by Coach McFarland is a really, really good one, and it goes like this. The backfield is the VIP, so don't be stuck in general admission. That sounds like a really solid tweet coming from our account later on this week. I just, I'm just, i going to go ahead and put that out there. And with that, we will sign off on episode number 92. Be sure to join us right back here next week for episode 93. Until then, subscribe now. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Remember that this coming Sunday is Valentine's Day, fellas. And most importantly, always remember these wise words from Coach McFarlane. What you got for us, Coach?
1: If you don't want to get your head knocked off or get that last thing put in the dirt, keep your pass down.